You are listening to the Revolutionary Force and Professional Wrestling Podcast for over 20 years. Reviews, interviews, shoots, news, and opinions like no other. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ring Scoops. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Ring Scoops podcast here on ringscoops.com, anchor.fm slash ringscoops, and wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host, the webmaster, Wade Needham, and we've got another episode of the Ring Scoops podcast. Of course, I mean, that's what the intro was for, right? To let you guys know that. Uh, I got some wrestling news for this week that has come out that I'd like to address. We'll do that. We've got a retro wrestling, retro watch along to go through. And then uh, later on, Kat is going to join the program. So we could talk a little bit about something that happened on Monday Night Raw this week. Give our thoughts on on that and uh, our thoughts on maybe some uh, stuff that may happen down the road in the WWE as as we're approaching Hell in the Cell and then around the corner is going to be Survivor Series, which is like the big, the next big uh, keyframe for those editors out there or, or even old school Flash developers from way back in the day. Keyframe, uh, you know, Survivor Series. But anyway, uh, enough of that. Let's get to the news just real quick. Talk a little bit about that. Get my thoughts on some of that. Uh these headlines here come from pwinsider.com. Just want to get that out there to begin with. So, so you guys don't think I'm pulling all this out of my ass. Give my source, pwinsider.com. Because we are, ringscoops.com is not a news website. We're not a, I guess we are a news webcast or podcast. We talk about news. We don't break news. Um, but anyway. Uh, on October 2nd, WWE filed trademarks for different purposes for the names CWC Capital Wrestling Center and NXT CWC Capital Wrestling Center. Uh, so many different goods and services for these trademarks. You know, cardboard and paper hand tags, uh, computer software, pencils, toys, uh, namely action figures, um, you know, uh, different clothing and whatnot, uh, entertainment services, uh, you know, good stuff like that. So there's some trademarks going on there and speaking of like trademarks or law or any of that stuff uh pw insider broke a story at 9 11 p.m eastern standard time here on thursday uh october 8th 2020 saying that the chicago sun times reported that samantha tavel who wrestles as candy cartwright announced during a chicago press conference Uh, This week that she was filing a lawsuit against WWE SmackDown star Matt Riddle, World Wrestling Entertainment, and the now defunct Evolve promotion, along with an unnamed co-founder of Evolve. And uh, PW Insider believes that that person may be Gabe Sapolsky. Says that the lawsuit is seeking $10 million against each of the defendants. Uh, It stems from Cartwright's allegations... uh, you know, which became public during the speaking out movement online, uh, that Riddle allegedly choked and forced her to perform oral sex on her in May 2018. Uh, while the initial allegation referenced that the incident took place inside a van, Cartwright states in her press conference today, or on the 8th, that the, uh, recording this on the 8th, by the way, um, stated in a press conference today that the incident took place on a bus that was leaving Evolve 104 in uh, Summit, Illinois, and the lawsuit was being filed before Cook County Court. So that should be interesting. But there's an update here. WWE issued out a following statement to PWInsider.com. Quote, WWE has not been served with a lawsuit by Ms. Tavel. However, if served, we will vigorously defend ourselves and contest it, end quote. And there is another update to this article that was at 10.05 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. It says, it's interesting to note that the following uh, March 2020 tweet from the official Evolve Twitter, uh, the account which shows Samantha Tavel as Candy Cartwright working for Evolve as their social media ambassador, 
interviewing Anthony Green backstage at what turned out to be the final Evolve event. This clearly would have taken place after the date Tavel alleged in her lawsuit filed uh, you know, when she was fired by the company. And the tweet from the Evolve Twitter account from March 2nd, 2020 states, quote, Social media ambassador at Candy Cartwright catches up with at Retro AG after his match, end quote. Uh, following along with this update here on PW Insider, says a quick search of the Evolve Twitter reveals additional tweets featuring Cartwright's work between January 2020 and the final Evolve event in March of this year, which would obviously run opposite of the allegations made earlier today. So if there is a problem with that aspect of the timeline laid out today, so there is a problem, uh, whether that is amended remains to be seen. So that's the report there from PW Insider about that. Just wanted to give an update on that for everybody out there. Uh, we have some injury reports here. Uh, WWE star Mickey James revealed that she is again out of action after suffering a broken nose. She revealed it on the latest edition of GAW with SoCal Val and former Victoria uh, Lisa Marie Varon. Um, during the discussion, James said that she was out of action due to a broken nose and would not be cleared to return for several weeks. James noted that she has had the nose fixed and that the procedure was recorded, although whether she or WWE will inc incorporate and utilize the footage remains to be seen. James was last wrestled on September 21st episode of Monday Night Raw, losing to Zelina Vega. Uh, the week before, she lost to Asuka in a match that WWE management prematurely ordered to end, believing that James Selling was instead signs of a legitimate medical issue and that she was, quote, out on her feet, end quote. So, uh, Mickey James, wish you well. Wish you a speedy recovery with your injury there. I hate to see anybody get injured. Another injury report here. Uh, WWE star Rich Holland underwent surgery uh, on October 8th. Uh, the company announced on the NXT injury report video update. Uh, WWE announced that Holland suffered a left ankle dislocation and fracture, a right knee patella dislocation, and a patellar tendon rupture. Jesus, man, that's got to be bad. WWE's medical staff set the dislocated knee back in place at ringside while the ankle dislocation was placed back into its rightful position at the hospital. And they released, uh, there's footage, uh, it's on uh, on YouTube. So you can go to pwinsider.com, look for that. The headline says, NXT star Rich Holland undergoes surgery. Um, have you guys been following this thing with Gerald Briscoe um, on Twitter? Uh, tweeting out a big announcement. Uh, he put a, a, a tweet out on October 8th saying, Over 50 years in the wrestling business. I'm just getting started. You've all waited long enough, so here it is. Hashtag Briscoe's big announcement. Retweet. Share my huge news. As a matter of fact, let's go to it right now. Let's go to that tweet. There's a, There should be a video on there. We can play that. Um, I don't know why the audio is not playing. Uh, maybe the audio. Is this going to play now? Hello, Internet world. Gerald Briscoe here. You know, I'm just so sorry about what happened to my last video here, but it, it's my fault. I should have known better than to trust an old Turner guy. He's probably still upset about Black Saturday. <laughs> but you know what I call that? Green Saturday. <laughs> you know, I wish I could hold up some real money here, but I had to give all my damn cash to my wife so she could go plant shopping with my young son. Before I get to my big announcement, you know, I've been getting a lot of messages out there from kids from all over the world. They're asking me, Mr. Briscoe, are you elite? Am I elite? I'm Gerald Briscoe. I've been elite for over 50 years. It says so right here on my action figure. Gerald Briscoe, elite. And if you're thinking you're gonna get your hands on one of these bad boys, you better think again. They're all sold out. That's the reason I'm a collector's item. Time for the old man to make some money. Gotta plug my Pro Wrestling Tees t-shirt shop. And you don't do me a favor. Check me out on Cameo. Say little Billy Bob's having a tough time in virtual school. You know what I'll do? 
I'll call his teacher and I'll tell him, hey teacher, little Billy Bob's only seven years old. You better chill. See how good I am? I'm still over. Okay, folks, it's time for Briscoe's big announcement. I've decided, Randy. Oh, 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 Randy, typical damn more. Dump me from the back. Barbara, <coughs> why'd you let Randy in the south? Now you're gonna have to take me to the hospital. <laughs> Help me up off this floor. Okay, there you have it. Uh, the third try of getting Briscoe's big announcement out, and uh, he's still unable to get his announcement out. This is better than half the shit that's out there on wrestling television right now, in my opinion. Gerald Briscoe still knows how to work. He still knows how to get himself over. He still knows how to be very creative. Um, whoever is doing the editing on these videos, you're doing a phenomenal job. This is this is going places. Hashtag Briscoe's big announcement. You guys can follow Gerald Briscoe on Twitter at FG Briscoe. That's F G B R I S C O. Uh, good stuff right there. I just I, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, we have two more news items. Which one do I want to go first? We'll, we'll go with this one here. Um, according to PWInsider.com, uh, this week's ratings for NXT and AEW. AEW drew 700, 753,000 uh, with a demo of 0.31, where NXT is at 639,000 with a demo of 0.16. Uh, both are down from their previous weeks, where NXT was uh, at 732 and AEW was at 866. Um, they're both down with those overall numbers that are down with the demos, too. Of course, during the Wednesday night war, if you still call it a war, uh, it was the vice presidential debate. So I think that had a big part of it. But it didn't take that big of a chunk away from either show. Uh, they still kind of fall in line with some of their averages uh, so far that they have achieved during this pandemic. So I wouldn't say it's a total loss. I, I would say that that's actually strong. That's a good sign that they didn't drop they didn't dip too low. Like they didn't drop a you know, quarter of a mil, you know, they're, they're still afloat. So there you go. And the final piece of news here, uh, WWE issued out this statement saying that they will report its third quarter 2020 results on Thursday, October 29, 2020 after the close of the market. Uh, company's chairman and CEO Vincent Kennedy McMahon and chief financial officer Christina Salen will host the conference call beginning at 5 p.m. Eastern to discuss the results. All interested parties are welcome to listen to a live webcast that will be hosted through the company's website at corporate.wwe.com investors. Participants can access the conference by dialing 855-200-200. 4993. It's a toll-free number. Uh, there's also a number outside of the U.S. You guys can get that from you know the website, corporate.wwe.com slash investors. Please reserve a line approximately 10 minutes prior to the start time of the conference call. I think I'm going to call into that, actually. I think I will call into that um, and take some notes because it's going to take place on a Thursday. We can call into that. We get some notes. We talk about it. Uh, we get, we'll bring Mac on that week. And uh, I think Mac and I will dive into a discussion about the uh, the third quarter results. Mac being a business savvy as he is, I I have a history with a little bit of business history. Um, and I'm also, I am an investor in the WWE. I do hold some shares of the company. So I do have an interest in knowing what they say uh, that their order, their earnings are for that quarter. You know what I mean? It should be very interesting on October 29th. It should be very interesting. But ladies and gentlemen, that's it for the news and notes to open up things here on that Ring Scoops podcast. 
I'm the webmaster Wade Needham. You're listening to the Rink Scoops podcast, and we'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back here on the Ring Scoops podcast. I am the webmaster, Wade Needham. And uh, we got a little retro to go at it this week. Speaking of retro, Mr. Perfect. Uh, uh, yeah, Mr. Perfect. I was always, um, when I was a kid, uh, you know, I didn't like Mr. Perfect because, you know, he was uh, a good heel, right? So I didn't like Mr. Perfect. But, you know, as I got older, realized what the wrestling business was all about, how they were supposed to do the roles and whatnot. I have a lot of respect for Kurt Hennig and what he did uh, back in the, uh, you know, late 80s, early 90s. Um, actually, his whole, his whole career, really. His whole run. Really good. The stuff he did in WCW was phenomenal as well. Uh, just an overall great talent. It was just a shame that he was taken away from the world as young as he was, I believe he was 43 when he passed 43 or 44. Um, obviously I get closer to that age and start, you know, it starts hit closer to home too. Like crap, I'm getting to that age and that's how old he was when he passed. And it's just, it's crazy to be, you know, think that way. Uh, but anyway, uh, we've got retro this week. Uh, for those that don't or are not familiar with this segment, I pick a random wrestling match uh, prior to 2010. Tell you where we're going to watch it, where we're going to play it. I give you a timestamp where I'm at. We do a countdown, three, two, one, play. When I say play, we hit play together. Uh, the match that I chose this week is from the 2004 SummerSlam. We're watching this on the WWE Network. We're paused at 41 minutes, 12 seconds. 41 minutes, 12 seconds, SummerSlam 2004. WWE Network, everybody knows the rules. Um, the the match is Chris Jericho versus Edge versus Batista. Chris Jericho versus Edge versus Batista. I thought this would be somewhat of an interesting match. This week I was, I was watching uh, Bad Blood 2004, and I was like, man, 2004 has some, some decent matches. So I looked at some of the cards for the pay-per-views and I just randomly selected this match one because of the length is like, I think it's like 11 minutes and that includes entrances if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and it's just interesting to go back to 2004 and to see a guy like Jericho work with uh, up and coming talent like edge and especially Batista at the time. So we're going to revisit that. Um, everybody knows the rules. You guys, uh, WWE network, SummerSlam 2004 timestamp, 41 minutes, 12 seconds, and uh, we're going to count down right now. So here we go. Three, two, one, play. Get right into JR being uh, a little disgusted with something that, that Jerry the King Lawler had to say, I guess. Turn this up just a little bit more. Intercontinental Championship match. Batista. It's interesting to hear Batista's theme with no lyrics. I don't think he got lyrics in his theme until, what, 2005, right? After WrestleMania 21? Batista was such a impressive-looking dude his whole career. But he really started to come into his own by SummerSlam, if I'm not mistaken. And he had such an organic uh, rise to the top. Like Randy Orton, his push to the top was, it felt a little forced. Uh, you know, because 
you know the the the, the word around the streets is that um, you know they wanted uh, Randy Orton to beat Brock Lesnar's record of being the youngest champion. So they gave it to uh, Randy Orton at the age of 24. And it was a little forced. Uh, his babyface run didn't really work that well. But Batista, on the other hand, by the time the Rumble came around, everybody was behind him. And it was just, it felt like it was out of nowhere because us, the universe, the audience, we we did that. They picked up on it. They were smart enough. Creative was. And they ran with it. And it's very rare nowadays for them to do that, regardless of fan reaction or how we like or dislikes people. Seems like creative kind of just pushes their own agenda who they want. No matter what. No matter what. There's uh, Jericho's in the ring, so it's Batista. And here comes Edge. And Ed, I don't know if this is piped in for this theme or if he just didn't have... If he didn't have uh, the theme that we know him for. Now... I can't remember. The way his entrance looks doesn't go with the music. Maybe I can find the original video of this uh, pay-per-view on YouTube and uh, confer back. Unless, of course, if you guys want to let me know, hit me up, ringscoops at gmail.com. Oh, look at this. Right away, Batista going after Intercontinental Champion Edge. Just stomping away as Jericho watches on. And now Jericho going after Batista. If I was Jericho, I think Jericho and Edge should team up, take out the big man Batista. That would be the story here. Jericho's got Batista in that corner there. And it's interesting. This is 2004, 16 years ago. 16 years later, the biggest name in this match is Batista and it's not because of wrestling although he did become a, a huge name in wrestling I still think I still think Edge was the bigger name in wrestling and obviously Jericho too but the big, bigger of the household names is Batista his Hollywood career maybe not as big as The Rocks but it's bigger than John Cena's or at least they might be a little tired. I, I still think uh, Cena might be a, a little lower. Um, at least until the Fast and Furious franchise comes out. With John Cena making his debut in that universe. But Batista just being part of the Marvel universe is huge. 2004 was a great year. Uh, it was a, a year that the stars that they built from debuting in the Ruthless Aggression era were starting to get launched into the main event like a Randy Orton, Batista obviously Brock Lesnar not with the company at this point but was launched right away within that first year 2004 John Cena started to grow as a character became the Cena that we that we love even though Edge had debuted during the Attitude Era at this time Edge had really came into his own as well and by the end of the year would full on be heel and, and on his way to be in the rated R superstar that we know Jericho's a year away from taking a hiatus from the company too here because he went on to SummerSlam take on John Cena in 2005 and then took two years off and what a return Jericho had in 2007 coming back with the Sabas Y2J and Edge in 2004, I think this is maybe two or three months after he came back from a neck injury. Jericho holding on to Batista. Batista, oh, he is putting his attention. Such a weird kick. Edge is waiting for him now. Edge with a drop kick. Oh, oh no, Batista, that did not look good. Now Batista goes over the top rope to the outside. Looked like a spider caught in a, or a fly caught in a spider's web. Oh, what's Edge going to do? Edge just came back from his neck injury. Don't do anything stupid, Edge. There you go. Recently, too, I watched WrestleMania 22 and that match with Edge and Mick Foley. Oh, that, that was that was such a great match right there. Edge had already won a, a WWE championship by then. 
earlier that year, cashing the Money in the Bank against Sean Cena. But I think it was that match that Edge had with Mick Foley at WrestleMania 22 that really solidified the idea that Edge was a, a, a main event guy. Edge was definitely up there with the guys that can hang in the top top group. With Edge and Jericho in the ring now, both men locking eyes on each other. Look at this here, Intercontinental title hanging in the balance. Edge defending, Jericho Batista challenging. Face to face, these two mother connectors. And Jericho launches the attack of the knife edge chop there, followed by the punches beforehand. In the corner, Jericho. Oh, Edge now fighting out. A knife edge chop there and a big right hand on the Jericho. Edge now with Jericho, an Irish whip into the ropes. Jericho takes a knee to the gut. And Edge looks on with a sadistic smile on his face. Oh, Jericho now taking down Edge. Is this going to be the walls of Jericho? We're going to get a new Intercontinental Champion? Edge now turning it into a roll-up pin for a two-count. Boot to the midsection there by Edge. And a big right hand. Jericho making his way over into the corner, holding on to the ropes here. Edge now with Jericho. Irish whips him for the ride. And the rope stucks the clothesline as Jericho. Jericho coming up with a cross body press. Edge using the momentum with his legs up on the rope. Oh, and a two count. Man, that was a good spot right there. That was a good sequence. I like that. Edge was definitely, definitely on the way to being on top of his game. Batista out of the equation for now. Jericho's got the walls of Jericho locked in. This might be a good time for Batista to come back into the match. As it's locked in in the center of the ring, walls of Jericho. Referee in position to see if Edge wants to tap. If Edge is going to want to give up here. The Edge trying to use his upper body strength to crawl towards the ropes. Edge wants to get to the ropes. Jericho still holding on. And Jericho walking edge right back to the center of the ring. This might be it here for Edge. Oh, there's Batista. I knew it. The timing was perfect for him to reappear. Batista now with Jericho, shoulder first of the ring post. Batista turning his attention back over to Edge. Boot to the midsection. We're going to see an edge execution. No, Batista. Oh, the clothesline. It was blocked. Edge now with the edge execution. JR called a tornado DDT. Oh, a two count there by Edge. Good stuff, man. 2004. 2004. This is SummerSlam 2004. Everybody knows the rules. 2004 was good, too. Back in February that year, I started Slamming Jam. And uh, the CAW boom. That was that was exciting times right there. So many different CAW leagues that started out. Oh, look at this. Jericho stopping Edge from going for the, the spear. Batista doesn't know what the hell happened, but he'll take it. Batista now with Jericho. Oh, what a spine buster. Going for the cover, hooking the inside leg and Edge in to break things up. Man, uh, this has actually turned out to be a pretty damn good match for a triple threat match, considering where these guys were in their careers at the time, too. Edge now into the ropes. Batista catches Edge, trying to go for another spine buster. Edge turning it into a roll-up for a two-count. So we see those big signs with the number two in the crowd. Yeah, Batista over the top rope. Edge used the momentum, Batista. Jericho coming in now, rolling up Edge. Will this be enough holding the tights down? Oh, just a two count. Man. I'll tell you this. This is how you know I'm I'm excited for a match is when I start doing play-by-play -play and I get into it so much and I realize that I am like, I've become hardcore play-by-play -play guy. That's when I know a match is fun. Look at that big boot by Jericho right into the face. Maybe even the upper chest. Maybe not the whole face. Try to go for the face buster. Missed with the boot there. And there goes the face buster by Chris Jericho. The champion down. Jericho 
slowly back up to his feet, taking his time here a little bit. Batista coming back in, though. Batista, low springboard off the middle rope into a drop kick there by Jericho. His edge now setting up Jericho with a spear in the center of the ring. Goes with a hook, leg, and edge gets the victory. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but when I stopped, Jerry Lawler and JR stopped. You could tell JR had something else to say, but he stopped. I stopped too. Because it, as a play-by-play -play guy, I'm going to go ahead and stop this real quick. Everybody knows the rules. As a play-by-play -play guy, I listen for stuff like that. I, 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 I know the rhythm. As soon as there's a one, two, three, if I'm able to, I get a quick word or two in there and I know to be quiet wait for the ring announcer wait for the ref to hold up the arm of the winner there's a process to everything you don't talk over the ring announcer yes you get the one two three or a tap out or whatever the ring the bell you get something in just real quick you shut your yap and then uh you know let them do their job and then you go back to doing yours that's just you know, and it's just something that you learn over time it's it's nothing that anybody really even tells you either it's just something that you just kind of pick up you know, but just want to point that out. Yeah. So, man, that was, man, that was a fun match to watch. That that was a, a lot of fun to watch. But uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And uh, when we come back, we'll have Kat with us. And we'll talk about Ali. Ali being the leader of Retribution. And you're listening to the Ring Scoops podcast right here on ringscoops.com. I'm the webmaster, Wade Needham. Be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back here on the Ring Scoops podcast. The webmaster Wade Needham here, and I'm joined by Kat. What's up, Kat? Not much. Relaxing. Yeah. Crazy. Are you getting a little retribution from the world? <laughs> oh man, most definitely. <laughs> been an interesting week in the world of professional wrestling uh one of the big storylines that the wwe has been doing over the summer is uh the whole thing with retribution and um it, i guess the roots kind of started with, I mean, with the rumors you know that the smackdown hacker everybody thought it was going to be ollie and whatnot and then they stopped doing that then they did the retribution thing they started showing up on smackdown then they moved over to raw and this past week on raw the they revealed Ali as I, I would assume the leader of retribution because he gave them instruction to attack the, the hurt business. Uh, Kat, did you he see this? Actually, oh yeah. He actually sat there and even said on Twitter, he was the, the leader. Yeah. And broke it down to why it is that retribution is doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ali was pushed heavily, got injured thanks to Randy Orton, so they re-pushed Kofi King. So they pushed Kofi Kingston and made Kofi Mania. From that moment on, Ali was treated like crap. Ali was the first one taken from 205 Live with Cedric, and Ali was made to become the star. Didn't happen. Hell, when he got promoted over to Raw, out of nowhere, they were just putting him on main event mm. against Ricochet. And he, and he didn't like that, did he? No, he would literally go on Instagram every time and go, hey guys, so still don't want me on Raw, but go watch main event, go watch me wrestle <laughs> and put on an amazing match with Ricochet. 
Oh, yeah, those two guys together, I can imagine, would be putting on some hell of matches. Oh, yeah, they put on a one <laughs> hell of a couple matches. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Dominic Dijakovic. Now, T-Bar. And, and we're not talking now, about the T-Bar from No DQ either, by the way. No. We're talking about Retribution's T-Bar. Yeah. You know? Keith Lee just stood there till afterwards when Karrion Cross beat the crap out of Dominic Dijakovic. Mm-hmm. And then finally came in. But hey, that's supposedly his friend. It's kind of interesting yeah. that a lot of these stories are coming out. The background behind these individual characters of Retribution. I'm very intrigued to know what the story is going to be for, for the women that are in Retribution. What their stories are. Mia was taken out of the first ever war games. And people cheered Dakota Kai for turning her back on Tegan Knox after taking Mia Yim out of war games. Mm, okay. Mercedes Martinez. And from what I gather, I do believe Mia's name in the group is Retribution herself. And I think. Or I could be wrong, and I think it's a reckoning, and Mercedes is retribution. But Mercedes, 19 fucking years in the business, and she finally gets signed. It's a long time to be working your ass off to get there. A long-ass fucking time for WWE to finally notice, oh, hey, you actually can wrestle. It's some shit. You yeah. Know? Dio Madden, Mace, got taken out by Brock Lesnar a week later, was replaced for defending Jerry the King Lawler. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Shane Thorne made his debut on Raw, and then they quickly got rid of him. I, you know, I, it's funny. I don't even remember his debut. <laughs> He was in a tag team match with uh, another guy that was also part of their massive group of the Mighty uh, the Mighty Don't Kneel. Hmm. Which was their big group in Australia. Okay. That was him, Brandon Vick, um, his former tag team partner of TM61. Okay, yeah. The one who left, Nick Miller. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, Bronson Reed and a couple others they were, and Indy Hartwell as well they were all literally a bunch of Australians that came together to make one giant group was Tony Storm part of it? Uh, no because she was in stardom oh okay okay alright this is interesting because it it took them a long time to get to this point of where they're at with retribution. When I say they, I mean you know creative. Um, but it's all now starting to make sense as to why these characters are doing what they're doing, why they're in the position that they're doing it. Um, I, my I guess my biggest thing because I'm still letting this play out before I give a full opinion about the retribution thing. I think it's taken a little too long. That's the only thing I'll say about that. But, um. One of the things that just doesn't sit well with me is a reveal of Ali being the leader was not how they closed out Raw. And that right. does not sit well with me because to me that just seems like such a big thing. And I think it would have made Ali look bigger if that would have been the last image you saw on Monday Night Raw this week. I can agree with you on that. To me, it's like... Having somebody like, because honestly, not only was it interesting for me to reveal Ali, MVP. Let's give him some fucking credit here, okay? The fact that the look on MVP's face when MVP told him, hey, are you going to fight with us against Retribution? And Ali goes, yeah, sure. And Ali goes up to them, gets in their faces, and then turns her up turns to look at them and turns around to towards MVP and said, get him. 
and the instant look on MVP's face. Yeah. If looks could kill. That would have been the perfect ending to Raw. Yeah, and I don't understand why they didn't do it. I mean, a few weeks ago, they ended with the Hurt Business coming out and and fighting off Retribution. Mm-hmm. And that was a great segment. I enjoyed that thoroughly. Hurt Business looked amazing when that happened. I don't know why they oh, couldn't yeah. have done that for Ali and Retribution this week. Instead, they had to, the they had to go to the, the bullshit six-man tag. I'm going to tell you this now. I didn't even finish watching Raw mm-hmm. because I'm sick of this whole thing between Randy and Drew. Yeah, I mean, we, we me, you, and Mac, we talked about that a few weeks ago in our uh, prediction for you know Clash of Champions. It should have been the ending point for them at that, that pay-per-view. And I just, uh, dragging it on to hell in a cell, I mean... If Orton doesn't get the belt, I don't know if it's worth it. But I, I always hate to make a judgment before things are finished. You know, I, I really do. But it, it, you know, it, it's played out. It's beyond played out, and it's like you know, people. It, it's like when people going, oh, oh well, retribution is just WWE's version of Dark Order. Um. I would say Retribution is the newest version of Nexus. I think the only reason why people are making the comparison is because of the way they're dressed. Yeah, but every single member of the Dark Order is not always in black. No, but I mean, it's the same comparison that people made with the Street Profits and... um... What's uh, Private Party. Yeah, Private Party. You know, like, there was a, a... there were similarities visually, but they are vastly different styles in the ring, and they're vastly different characters. I think mm-hmm. uh, people are making the same same comparison with the uh, Dark Order and, and Retribution in that aspect, but I think there's more character development, especially after this week, more character development with Retribution than there has been with Dark Order, in my opinion. There's too many members of Dark Order. Yeah, and it, it, they always they, they, they do the cheap shots, like what they're doing with... Uh, uh, Luke Harper, Brody Lee, whatever the fuck his name is this week, you know, with him being the whole Vince McMahon thing and the, you know, the eating steaks and sneezing and firing people, you know, that crap, like it, that gets old real quick too. And that's not even progressing the character. That's just making inside jokes and jabs at other people. Like, what does that do for the group and the character? It, it does nothing but get a I cheap mean, laugh for that week. Bur- they already buried him when they had Cody win back the title. So yeah, I I, I heard about that this week, and I just think that's kind of weird too. I, I mean, but hey, what do we know? AEW so great. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> that's a that probably be another conversation for another time. I actually, I, I really like the conversation that we had uh, last month, me, you, and Mac talking about AEW. Remember, we were going to go like 10 minutes on that, and we went an hour. Oh, yeah. I would love to revisit that. The three of us definitely had some opinions, and I think that'd be great. Yeah, I think we had valid opinions, too. It wasn't like we were just tearing them apart for, you know, for no reason. I think we had constructive feedback about what we thought of, as as casual fans that, you know, want to be pulled in to AEW. It's not like Mm -hmm. we're just kicking them to the side. Like, we want to be pulled in by these things. And it's not just with them, you know, other promotions out there too. And I wish, you know, I wish WWE would have ran a little quicker with the retribution thing to get to the point that we're at now. Cause I, I at the beginning I was very intrigued. I wanted to be pulled into it, but it just kind of dragged along a little, a little too slow and uh, for my taste, but I'm glad that we're at the point that we're at now because now as JR would say, business is about to pick up. Right. Where do you think this is going to go from here? Do you think uh, you think Ali is going to be getting that big push that he uh, deserves? Most definitely. Yeah. Where do you go? Like in your opinion, if you if you were to take the book this coming Monday and take us to the Survivor Series, wh- what would you do? I would literally sit there and have him come out and go. You know, reason why I created this group is because as T-Bar has said, we're tired of the common 
guys in the back that are only doing it for the money and turn into her business and say, let's face it, you're all about talking about money and how you're the CEO, one's the chairman, one's the executive vice president, one's this, one's that. You're all doing it for the money. We're doing it because we're sick and tired of being overlooked. And I'd kind of want to see... Honestly, in my opinion, the way I would book it with Raw is definitely all those men definitely going off and those women deciding to step up into the women's division. And going, hey, you know what? Like this whole mix-up here right now of all these tag teams forming, trying to go after Shanna and I, okay, here's us. So you would you would offshoot the, the two women into the uh, the women's tag team division? I would, but I would also still have them a part of, a big part of the group of getting involved in the men's matches. Well, yeah, obviously. Um, but it, it would be good for them to also have the, the side. Well, to them, it, that would be their major thing. Their side thing would be cohesive unit with retribution. Um, exactly. Whereas, you know, with the, with the guys, their main thing would be to take over the male guys. But, you know... A cohesive unit as retribution as well on the side. Um, I I would I would love to Let's see take over the WWE period. Yeah, I would I would love to see you know maybe 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 Ricochet join Hurt Business full time, uh, because you know more strength in numbers, and then you have uh, an eight man tag at Survivor Series of Retribution versus Hurt Business, and have that be the main event. That'd be a good one. Yeah. I, I would just I would love to see something like that. Um, I it kind of kind of interesting because like with when you got a dynamic like this with multiple people, and it's you know faction warfare at this point, that doesn't historically hasn't trans translated into anything really big for WrestleMania because they usually do like a lot of the tag or singles kind of thing, not group things. So it'd be interesting to see come WrestleMania time, which is what, about five, six months away, mm-hmm. where Retribution's going to be at that point. And if Ali's sticking point behind why he's doing all this goes all the way back to the Kofi Mania thing, is I would think somehow they're going to have to do something with Ali and Kofi. Because wouldn't he be jealous of Kofi? I think that would be great, especially since there is some talks of during this draft separating Kofi and Xavier from Big E. And, uh, and that's uh, how that that the draft is how that the draft is how you break up New Day. And, and where where would you would you put Kofi and Xavier on Raw and keep Big E on SmackDown, or would you put Big E on Raw? I would keep Big E on SmackDown because there is some rumors that Big E is supposed to win the Royal Rumble. Oh wow! Okay, that's one of the big rumors that's been going around is that Big E's supposed to win the Royal Rumble and go against Roman. You know what? I think down the road, maybe by the end of this month, I think we should do a podcast where uh, we all get together as a roundtable, and maybe we bring to the table um, our three prospects each of who we think is being groomed to win the Royal Rumble. Most definitely. I remember in the past we did that uh, in two thousand five. Which is funny because I just referenced that this week on a Twitch stream that I did um, because somebody had brought up Rey Mysterio and saying that it's a shame that the only reason why he ever got a big push towards the world title is because Eddie died. And I said, I beg to differ. Um, I think personally, and this is my opinion, that Rey was being groomed to win the Royal Rumble and possibly go on to WrestleMania to get the belt a month before Eddie had passed. And we had did an episode of World Wrestling Radio Live at the time. In 2005, yes, where we talked because about... Because remember, Eddie was actually supposed to go win the title when he passed. He was supposed to go beat Batista. Yeah. And that was the whole thing, was that SmackDown, Eddie was supposed to go... Was supposed to challenge Batista for the world title, take the title, and that was one of the things that was even talked about, and I have to agree with you. I believe Ray was you know, groomed to win the Royal Rumble... And I believe that it was he was going to win the Royal Rumble to face Eddie for the title. And Eddie was going to give him the title. Yeah. Permanently in their feud. And, and I, I have it. I still have that episode in archive. I 
since this has been brought up twice this week, I think I'm going to go back to that episode. I'm going to try to find the, the clip and insert it into maybe next week's podcast or whatnot. Um, and just put, put that out there because it's, it's been brought up already twice this week. But, uh, yeah, um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, going back to Retribution uh, real quick before we uh, end the show here this week. Retribution, Ali, uh, revealed as the leader. Uh, it's a shame that they didn't do this to close out Raw. They did it in the in the semi-main spot and then went to a, a bullshit six-man tag team main event, which was paled in comparison. Four. Yeah. It, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they did that on purpose. Maybe this coming week on Raw, maybe that'll be part of their promo of saying, "Hey, look, uh, you guys didn't even, you know, like give us a, a good spot on the card last mm-hmm. week. You know, like we were we're more important than fucking Drew and all these guys." <laughs> right. I I definitely have to agree with that one because I definitely think because. Literally, one of the things is, like I was saying to you, he's been on main event. He's been doing raw talk, talking about how he's still trying to do the change. And he goes, you know what? Some dreams are just meant to die. Mm -hmm. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in to this episode of the Ring Scoops podcast right here on ringscoops.com, youtube.com slash ringscoops, anchor.fm slash ringscoops. If you would like to follow Ring Scoops on social media, it's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all with the same username, Ring Scoops. And also twitch.ringscoops.com if you want to check out some of the live Twitch feeds, uh, the streams that we do. It's like Slam and Jam and whatnot. It's good stuff, man. And, uh, of course, ProWrestlingTees.com slash RingScoops as well for all your RingScoops merchandise. ProWrestlingTees.com slash RingScoops. That's it for this episode of the RingScoops podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, I'm that RingScoops guy saying thank you, good night, and be cool.